We're here across the street from the Capitol uh, for episode eight of the GSBA podcast. Welcome back, Angela, Scott. Um, I know there's been a lot going on, so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys to walk us through. Okay. We have a lot of bills that we just keep hearing over and over again as they go through the various stage of subcommittee or committee or get worked on. And one bill that we followed since the very beginning in the session that has had a lot of work and a lot of changes, um, been back and forth, the return to work bill. Finally got out of committee this morning again, and we'll go to house rules to get its place on the calendar. Yeah, this one has gone through a lot of changes. It passed out of committee at one point, then they brought it back, and then it was on the agenda, then it was pulled from the agenda, and it was back on the a secret agenda, I guess, because <laughs> it wasn't ever published online. Uh, <laughs> this morning, um, it was finally passed out with a few changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one thing stayed from the last version of it, the uh, retiree will have to stay out for a year before they could come back to work. Uh, they would be uh, eligible to be hired for from the area the highest need for their RISA, the Department of Education and Professional Standards Commission will work together to name those areas of highest need for each RISA, and it'll be based on a five-year average from, a, from surveys they do in the districts. Yeah, so there was the basic yeah, and there was some debate amongst the members on whether or not this would cost TRS money or save TRS money. Even though the actuarial study came out that said it will it'll be revenue neutral, cost neutral toward toward TRS. Yeah, and just one reminder about this bill that has remained true across all the versions of it that um, if a district does hire the retiree and bring them back to work 100% of the time, the district will be responsible for paying the TRS for the employer and the employee share. Um, so there's a cost to you for using this method, uh, assuming that it passes and you have it available to you, but it does give you another option for ways to find teachers. Right, and uh, another area that we've been kind of paying attention to the last uh, I feel like I feel like I'm always in a ways and means committee room. Um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> was the uh, were two bills from uh, Chairman Ron Stevens regarding uh, property tax assessments. Um, one would be the constitutional amendment that would go on the ballot this November, and the other would be the authorizing le- legislation that would go into state law that would uh, change the evaluation of a proper property for 65 and older at 20 percent instead of 40 percent now it's important to note that this is a um, permissive to a degree it allows the local boards to call for the referendum at a, at a local level and it doesn't rec- automatically trigger it it's up to the local boards to make that decision right and for the noise um, I apologize it's amazing it's always quiet when we start and then it starts getting noisy um, one of the reasons that we want to talk about this on the podcast though was it's a fairly straightforward bill but we have gotten some questions about why we've gone along with it and haven't uh, opposed it uh, since it does have the potential of limiting the local revenue and the reason is we worked with the author on it uh, we made sure that it was an option for the local board to do it there's no requirement that this referendum be called and we wanted to make sure that it was clear in the language that the local board was the one who called the referendum not yes. a elections official or anybody else that it was the local board of education who called for the referendum right and he was immediately willing to to make that clear um, and to add that amendment to it 
most of the districts already have some sort of senior tax exemption. We did a survey last fall to look at what exemptions are already in place for seniors um, because this has been a growing issue in districts where there has been one in place already. So the ones who already have something in place, they've got it. If they wanted to try something different, if this passes, they could try this option. Um, and the other thing that we had to consider was that if it passed the pressure on local boards to do this, if they didn't have something in place, but the truth is they already have pressure on them to do this. Um, and so if they don't have something in place, if this passes and seniors are coming to them to say, do this, do something for us, they could do this rather than going through the local legislation route. But they can also still do the local legislation and, and write it the way they want. Right. There's nothing, nothing, if this is passes in November and it goes through and the governor signs the, the legislation, there's nothing that would stop a local district from coming in going, you know what, this 20% for 65 with no income restriction is not for us. We want to bump that age up to 70 or we want an income restriction. You can mm -hmm. still go through local legislation. There's nothing stopping that right. from happening. Right. So another bill popped up this morning that uh, we've seen before and kind of expected to see this session, the Tim Tebow bill. Um, Noted baseball player Tim Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, chairman of education dropped it and he does not refer to it as a Tim Tebow bill um, since Tebow was from Florida. Um, he calls it the Equal Opportunity for Access and Education Act. It's really more the equal opportunity for access to extracurricular activities at public schools that they do not want to go to. Um, but <laughs> They okay. had the opportunity to access that school, <laughs> putting that out for the record. They want to access that. So I, I, I will say, um, all joking aside, having looked at the bill, this is the best version of the bill I've ever seen. Um, he does require that they enroll in an online course through the school district uh, the semester before they would be participating. Um, and so they do have to show some intent to be, at the, be connected to the school, not physically present necessarily um, and so I do appreciate that it also requires uh, that they meet uh, all the same rules regulations the immunizations and all the other things um, about it do you got anything else I think you covered most of it I know there's okay. the the online requirement and the you know the, the 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 there's some question in the language for me about the you know they they say they have to try out but then they're I w i'm curious if they're going to clear up some of that language that clarifies if you don't if you try out and don't make it you don't make it period right I mean. right um they certainly would have no more right to automatically make a team than right. a and student there was some question on that in the past versions where the wording mm -hmm. was you kind of had to take them if they yeah. decided they want to play you couldn't say hey you're not good enough yeah sorry about it but yeah, um, and uh, we'll be talking to the chairman about that. He's very good about taking comments and listening to them. Um, so we'll talk to him about that. Um, the budget is ever-present and still in the we-don't-know-what-we're-going-to-do stage. Um, a lot of talking going on across both chambers. The Senate has the supplemental budget. Uh, they should be getting pretty close, I would think, yeah, to finishing they, that and bringing bringing it had, out for view. Yeah, they had hearing one hearing that uh, education subcommittee did, anyways, on the amended twenty one, and they even made the comment 
there's not a lot of room to work with here. There's not a, there's not a lot of moving parts on this one. So yeah. I would imagine they get through that one pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I would think so. So maybe by the end of next week, somewhere, uh, let's say we're in session four days next week. Four days. As of right now, yeah. we are in session four days next week. But rumors are always abound. So who knows? Yeah, there's a rumor that it, the schedule's about to change again. and They might take a little bit more time off. Um, to work, to focus on the budget, um, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I we've we've talked about this internally, but I just and every kind of the feeling around here, even among some of the senators and representatives, is they are ready to get out of here mm-hmm. already. We're not even <laughs> to crossover yet. We just hit day twenty one today, and they definitely don't want to be here for the Masters, and they want to yeah. leave for spring break. So yeah. The time yeah. there's a little bit of a time crunch there when we start looking at those numbers. A yeah, bit. and another interesting thing coming up next week is qualifying week. So if you're a board member and you're running for re-election, next week is your week to go qualify to run. But it will be interesting here to see how many people are running again, how many are, are choosing to go on to something else. We've already had a few announcements of uh, people who won't run again. Senator Jesse Stone announced a week or so ago that he would not run again. Uh, this morning, Senator Ellis Black said that he would not be running again. Um, and I'm sure there are some more that I have it that yeah. that I just don't Ke- recall. Kevin Tanner is oh, running, that, oh, for, uh, running for House. Congress. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're missing a big one. Yeah, I, I do feel like we're missing a big one. If it comes to us before we end this, we'll let you know. But anyway, if you're uh, if you're I'm out sure there we'll listening, we didn't talk about you. Apologies. More <laughs> about who's coming and who's going. I guess we haven't talked about the voucher bill yet. Um, uh, the hearing was packed, as often happens for um, school choice bills. Yeah, um, that was a very full uh, committee room, and mm-hmm. you know, the chairman did a great job trying to allow as many people to speak as possible, but he just ran out of time. You know, it's just yeah, the nature he, of the beast a little bit. They have to book their rooms for a certain length of time, because obviously a lot of there are a lot of committees who want the rooms. And most rooms are set up now for a webcast, but some are not. So they definitely try to schedule the committees into those that are set up so that they can webcast the meeting. And that meeting is online, by the way, in the archives under the Senate Education Committee. So you can watch it if you want to do that. Um, But he did a good job of balancing. Frequently, when there are a lot of people here, they make sure that they let all the visitors speak before they give us time the people the lobbyists who are here all the time um, and can talk yeah, to them they at can any point. they'll come and, and talk so, to the professional lobbyists yeah. um you and, know and throughout so, the week so it, it was it was not a problem but it, it was um whenever the special needs voucher bill is up for changes it's always heartbreaking to hear the stories when people come to talk about the, th- the things that happened to them, the things that did not work in the public school setting or the private, in this case, uh, in one instance, the private setting. Um, and it's difficult to see children who have been hurt or hear about children being hurt and not being cared for. Um, of course, we always have to remember we're only hearing one side of the story. Um, and so PK, the, the chair of Senate Ed, really uh, was very respectful and gave everybody plenty of time to tell their story. And that's what he said to them. He said, just tell us your story. And so that one, uh, no vote was taken. Uh, we talked to him this morning, and he said that he will hold another meeting 
um, to continue the testimony on it and make some changes to it. They already know some of the changes they want to make to it. So it, if it moves, it won't look like it did uh, when it first came out, and we'll certainly keep you updated on what's coming with that bill and the others for that matter and any action you need to take. That sounds good. Um, are there any any other items that might be worth noting? Mm, that about covers it for me. I just had one question okay. as far as the, the budget is concerned. Has some of the controversy settled a little bit, or is it just more of, of disagreements on priorities, uh, just trying to find some common ground um, that's kind of holding that process up? Yes. <laughs> I think there's... I, I think they're trying to find common ground. I think that um, they actually all have the same priority. Um, uh, for the majority party in particular, I think their priority is um, they do want to see the teachers get a raise. Um, they all know that there's a problem with teacher retention um, and that they went a long time, uh, had to deal with furloughs and everything else. Um, and so I, I think res that they want to do that that they want to give them a raise however there is a revenue issue and they have to find it the other issue is the state employees um, the state employees also went through furloughs all those years that teachers were going through it and the teachers got raises for several years before all that happened that the state employees did not um, and so it's important that we be able to fund salaries at a level for, uh, for instance, social workers, to work with the foster children, to work with uh, children who are in abusive situations, uh, the elderly abuse, the social workers that do that. And we need to be able to fund that. We need to be able to have a salary level that attracts good people to serve in the corrections area. Um, and so there are a lot of different areas of it. And I, and I think that everybody across the board wants to be sure that we are able to do that but we also have to do other things we have to be able to cover medicaid and and the medical issues of people in the state and protect education because it's so important um so i think they all want to do that they're all conservative mm -hmm. and so when they look at taxes yes they would all love to, to give a tax cut um, to individuals for the income tax so that some of the and, money stays. Yeah, and they've all said repeatedly, you know, this is something we ran on, it's something we promised. Mm -hmm. They feel an obligation to live up to their promise. I mean, mm -hmm. which, you know, ultimately that's, you know, no matter how mm -hmm. you come down on the issue, it's right. admirable that they are saying we made this promise. We want to mm -hmm. keep, keep our word. Yeah, so it comes down to a balancing act and whether they... Uh, fulfill one thing at the total expense of another or whether they compromise and each gets a little bit or or how they do that and so I think they're still working that out um, we still are fairly early in the year and so they don't they need more revenue information to get a clear idea of where we're headed oh that's great thank you I, I think sometimes it helps to paint a little bit clearer picture of what these legislators are working with we talk a lot about education um, related aspects of, of the budget and, and we don't always touch on the big picture and helping folks understand the big picture and the challenge that these legislators have when it comes to putting together a budget um, especially of that magnitude so thank you very much thank you guys for, for what you do um, every day as professional lobbyists um, we look forward to hearing more next week but for now Unless you guys have anything else, 
Not me. <laughs> We're good. Well, that concludes uh, this episode, episode eight of the GSBA podcast, and continue to look for more podcasts at gsba.com. <laughs>